KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. There are concerns about a rise in cheating in online exams. A recent report showed that breaches in proctored online exams rose by more than 6% in 2021. We wanted to talk about this rise in online cheating. What can be done to address it? Our guest is Louise Krimpotic. She is vice president of Educational Enterprise for Digital Ed, a company that works to promote online learning around the globe. The information I have here that a lot of uh, the statistics are drawn from is the something called the exam integrity report. Is that correct? The uh, yes. Yeah, so the exam integrity report really analyzed um, over three million exams across a thousand institutions, and what they looked at was and what they found was that there were breaches um, of the the proctored online exams actually increased by six point six percent in twenty twenty one. And this is all college? Is this college and high school? Yeah, this this will be um, higher ed. So when you we say breach, we're talking basically online cheating, correct? So really what we're talking about is it could be cheating. It could be just, you know, a student um, looking away for to do something and whether or not it's actually cheating or just the the proctoring of those exams actually sort of noticed an irregularity. So some of them may be cheating, some may not be cheating. It may just be the student looked away for some for to think for a minute and and has have come back. So the a proctored online exam, are we talking like a Zoom room? Is this something different? Kind of give people some context. Yeah. So the proctored is exams, they can take a multitude of forms. So the simplest one could be just a student is on their computer and they have to get a password or they have to get you know approved to access that exam. And then if they try to move outside of that window, then something happens. Um, it can go as far as you know a Zoom call or um, a webcam where somebody is watching what they're doing or an AI is watching what they're doing and looking for irregularities in how they're um, how they're approaching the subject or what they're doing with their head, with their hands, with their eyes. When it comes to people cheating on online exams, what are are there kind of some, for lack of a better term, kind of tried and true methods that continue to bubble up whenever you look into this or maybe, you know, you have firsthand experience of, I don't mean from the cheating standpoint, I mean from the proctoring standpoint. Yeah, you know, there's there's definitely over the course of the of the pandemic, there have definitely been more cases of academic misconduct reported. It's not clear, um, you know, whether that's because there actually is more cheating, um, whether it's because instructors are just more aware of the possibility and are actually watching for it, and so they are catching more of it and reporting more of it, or if it's maybe easier to catch if it's online and in a remote environment, because, you know, if multiples of students are doing something, it's more likely to be noticeable. So it could be a combination of, of all of those things or a compilation of all of those things. And the um, with that academic misconduct, obviously, on the other side of it is what do we do about it? And how can we approach um, different aspects to to make it better, to improve the, the process. 
to that point, how much of this is a better job in from the observation proctoring standpoint and how much of it is a better you know, online security, stuff like that? Where would you kind of start with that part of the discussion? Yeah, no, I think that there's really a few different places and, and ways to think about it. So the first is, is maybe from the pedagogical side. So as an instructor and as an institution, a part of the role is educating students on what is expected of them and what they shouldn't, and even equally important, what they should do. Right. So what what is it okay to do and what is it not okay to do to make sure that it's very clear to students? Where is that line? Where is that boundary line? And then I think, you know, making sure that there's the education piece there using technology. There's a lot of technology solutions that are available to both help with the proctoring. But if you don't want to go as far as proctoring and you want to just provide an online education environment for students that at least uses some sort of tried and true methods of addressing the the ability to cheat, you you can use a system uh, like Mobius that allows you to do things like randomized questions so that students who may be working together get different values in their questions. So they can't just say, what is the answer to three? to question number three. What they have to do is say, how did you get the answer to question three? So now they're having a a conversation about the mathematics and the solution and how to get to it rather than just giving somebody else an answer. So I think that that's a really important important aspect that can be used to help combat some of this, um, this academic misconduct. I'm curious, do we have, is there any info, any data, maybe even you know anecdotal do we feel like there's more cheating in an online environment than in the you know your traditional classroom uh, i don't know that we have you know highly accurate data i think the you know um the impression is that yes there is more simply because you know and a couple of things point to that one um the the fact that students grades over, you know, across the board have gone up during the, the pandemic. And so, of course, you, you start to wonder, well, if the, the, what we were teaching them didn't change and their grades went up, how did that happen? So, so people sort of say anecdotally, you know, there must have been something um, going towards that and, and people point towards the, the cheating. But I also think from an online point of view, there are many more ways for students to be able to access answers without someone necessarily knowing. So, you know, a a perfect example, there are the homework sites where a student gets a problem, they can post it to a site and have someone solve it for them. So an instructor who doesn't see every single thing that that student is doing, they may not know that that's what the student has done. How much, uh, you know, the during the pandemic at the end of the 2020 school year and most of your 2020, 2021 uh, was so much online. How much do you think we can attribute problems to places just kind of being unprepared for this volume of online work? Like as, you know, I'm, this obviously put on steroids, the idea of online learning that had obviously been there, but as we continue with this and 
people get more comfortable and understand how things can be gamed and breached, do you think this problem will get better as years go on? Absolutely, right? I think when the pandemic happened, there was that rush to move all of this content online. And so what happened was a lot of people took their in-person material and just put it online. Now, from an in-person lecture to an online environment, those are very different things. So at this point, now I think we have that opportunity as educators to actually think about not just what assessments do we want to give our students, but how can we improve their learning experience? And what are the things and the the lessons that we learned during the pandemic in moving things online that worked really well? Let's continue using those. What are the things that didn't work as well? And how do we address those? Uh, In terms of the the cheating side of things, one of the, the big things and big trends that I see is people looking at how can we differently assess a student's knowledge? And how do we, you know, um, how do we then grade them on that? So in a traditional classroom, a student, you know, let's think of a traditional STEM classroom. So science, technology, engineering, and math. Traditionally, you would have maybe 10% of your of your grade towards a homework so that hopefully students are working on their homework weekly and they get 10% of their grade from that. 20 to 30% is on a midterm and, you know, Um, 60 to 70% is on the final exam. So now if you just take that exact model and move it to online, what happens is there's so much pressure on on that final exam that students are looking for ways to help themselves right? You know, they're, they're maybe struggling, there's lots of things going on in their lives. And they're thinking, well, if I just do this, and and they sort of don't necessarily think of the of the consequences. But as educators, what we can do is we can look at that course and say, maybe there's a better way for us to, to provide the marks for this course, we our goal is for the students to learn the material. And so what we can easily do is or just make small changes to how we deliver that course. So instead of sort of three batches of grades, if we're using an online uh, online tool, you have that ability to spread the homework out a little bit more, spread out that formative assessment so students can, can practice and test themselves. And then you can still have your exams, but maybe you make them into smaller bite-sized chunks. Um, so that each one is not quite as high stakes, but that then students feel that they can, you know, work through that piece and and then move on to the next piece. We need to take a break. We will have more with Louise Krimpotic right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. And we are back continuing our conversation here on KYW News Radio in depth with Louise Krimpotic. In a perfect world where we're not in the middle of a pandemic, and I know so much of learning has shifted online, you've got degrees that are offered strictly online and stuff like that. But, you know, in a, a, the traditional classroom sense, would we be better served, you think, trying to funnel uh, exams more to in-person than doing them online? I think there'll always be a place for an in-person exam. Absolutely. I think the um, from the online side, a couple of the benefits of doing assessment online is that 
one, you have this ability to do these randomized questions immediately. So the system is, is generating these different variations of the questions for students. You have that, you have the ability to have those questions graded immediately. So students can get immediate feedback and see what did they do right? What did they do wrong? Right after they finished, while the concepts are still in their head and they can hopefully, you know, make some corrections to, to what has been going on, you know, or how they've been thinking about a particular problem. So I definitely think online allows for additional features but I do think there will always be a place for an in-person exam. How much does, you know, we talk about this study that showed the 6.6% increase over a year. How much, if a trend like that were to continue, let's say, or, or get worse, how much of a stain does that put on the concept of higher ed? Because I would guess you start to worry that a, you places get a reputation of, well, what are they really learning and, and stuff like that. So it, it, it's important, not just from, you know, the students actually hurting themselves, even though they might get the short term gain, but overall institutions and such, it, it could hurt reputations. No, absolutely. Right. The um, the reputation of the institutions, but and even, you know, across the board, right, just the implication of what is the value of a higher education degree. Right. Um, is it actually preparing students for their careers? Do employers trust what the, that value of that college degree? Do they trust that whatever the students received, that they actually have that knowledge that they will be able to apply? And so if there's not this implicit understanding that when a student graduates from a particular institution, they're going to have a certain level of knowledge, then it does start to, you know, to bring into question the value of that. And not only that, I think, too, for, from a student's point of view, you they start to question, is it worth the money, right? Is it worth this, this amount of money that I have to spend on this? Where am I going to end up? And, and is it going to be worth it in the end? Are there things that should be done strictly from a cybersecurity standpoint? you know, firewalls, stuff like that? Or is this more going to be a, a, a human observation situation that you've just kind of got to eliminate it that way? Uh, good question. I think, you know, from a cybersecurity point of view, it it is a tough question. Um, even now, there are there have been a lot of, of reports and complaints about proctoring companies and that really being an invasion of privacy for students. So I think there's the, you definitely need the cybersecurity to keep the students' um, in from personal information safe and secure and make sure that that's not out there. But in terms of the proctoring side of things, we have to be careful. Where is the line between making sure that there's academic integrity and invading their privacy um, and, you know, watching them in their home. Yeah, so there, there has been, you know, a lot of conversations around that and, and where is the right line. So I'm curious, you talked about kind of switching up questions when it comes to, you know, taking online exams, what are some other ways that the, just the, the presentation of the information uh, could help to decline in cheating? 
Yeah, we I talked a little bit about the the randomized questions and being able to make sure that students, you know, who might be working together get different versions of the question. And I think that that's a big a big item, but also using a variety of question types. So instead of giving students, you know, just a multiple choice exam, moving that and and using a variety of question types that have them thinking and entering the answers in different ways um, and also providing them with questions that are more open-ended, where you're asking them for an example, or you're asking them to, you know, apply what they've learned to a problem, to a specific problem or application, because then you're not just asking them to to do rote memorization and recall and and give you something back. You're actually asking them to apply uh, what they've learned to show that they are able to Um, to take all of that information and put it together in a different context. Um, And I think the um, one of the other things that you can do, and I I touched on it briefly, was just being able to spread out some of those assessments and use different assessment types. So you want to provide practice to your students, being able to give them material that they can try for themselves so that they can get a better understanding of what they actually know compared to what they might think they know. Um, And also on the other side, from the faculty point of view, for them to be able to see those results and see what do the students actually know compared to what they think that they have taught um, and what they've provided for the students. And so there's that feedback mechanism where you're able to, uh, to get information and then improve the courses as you're going on. And I think as we move forward, that sort of different approach to learning will actually end up improving the educational experience across the board. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.